Hello, you're listening to an episode of The Wilderness Mind, a podcast about all things nature and wellbeing. I'm JK, your host and coach and founder of Where the Mind Grows, coaching in nature for teams and individuals with a green conscience. If this is the first time you're listening to the podcast or perhaps you're a returning listener, we've gone back to solo me, just me talking with you today. In our most recent episodes, we've had a variety of different guests on sharing their perspectives, their journeys and stories around their connection with nature and how this has enhanced their well-being. We'll be returning again to future guests in the early summer of 2022. But for now, the next few episodes are for me to share some time with you to think about elements of eco-psychology, nature connectedness and about mental health well-being and coaching techniques that help to enhance you and your life for more health and happiness. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share it with friends, leave us a short review and follow us on our social media channels so that we can share even more opportunities to connect you and yourself with nature in the future. So I'm out in one of my favourite woodlands. Again, recording one of my minis, although if the last mini was anything to go by, it might not be a mini. It will just call it a mini because it's not got anyone else on it and you're just listening to my voice. And I decided to do these really. You will have heard from the introductions that these are really just covering some of the basic stuff to do with our connection with nature, our wellbeing tools really giving you a little bit of an intro to the tools we can be a little bit cloak and dagger with some of the conversations in terms of the how we might be saying the what you do kind of delving a bit deeper into the how so today's mini episode is on observation and you may have heard the episode with sarah spencer who's the author she's a facilitator of think like a tree i'm a think like a tree facilitator as well alongside my various different coaching modalities. And funnily enough, observation is the first part of her design cycle. And the design cycle kind of comes out of a permaculture technique, which I'm not going to massively go into today, but feel free to listen a little bit more about that and understanding permaculture and stuff in Sarah's episode, Sarah Spencer's episode. But I'm going to talk about observation in terms of our own well-being and our own connection with nature for our well-being as well. And there's definitely a bit in here about observation as a tool for workplace well-being. So if you're listening to this as a leader or a team member who could be a leader, we're all leaders. It's a very funny term, leader. I have to say this, I digress a little bit, but... Hello, train. I digress a little bit, but... Often I'll get asked to run groups, sessions for leaders... And it always just amazes me when you go around and ask them the range of different roles that people do or different size organisations, responsibilities and all those kind of things, the variation in that leadership. I think that's brilliant, really, because actually we're all leaders. We can all be leaders in our own right. You know, you might see yourself as a frontline worker or you might even see yourself as someone not important in your team. But actually we're all leading on something and finding what we are leading on can be really powerful to our purpose, actually. Especially if that thing that you're leading on 
feels purposeful. There's nothing worse than having to lead on something that really is outlined far away from your values and your sense of purpose and identity. But hey, that's for another episode, perhaps. So observation, first of all, let's talk about what we mean by that. Um, can even have that almost clinical sense to it. Oh, hang on. We've got another wild dog. Morning. He's trying to work it all out. Never quite understands why a dog would be off a lead. <laughs> Come on. You can't play with that one, no. So, observation. What we mean by observation. When I say the word observation, I always think about that kind of clinical term of being in a hospital and the nurse coming in or the doctor coming in, observing, checking on you, checking your stats, all these kind of things. It's always funny where your reference points for certain words have a whole story behind them sometimes. And the more we understand that, actually, the more we observe that, particularly where you might be talking about something with a friend or a teammate and you use a word that they respond to very differently to what you'd expected or perhaps you yourself hear a word from words and sort of services and the language that gets used in sales and marketing. Easy there to provide something to anchor us to a certain feeling, like a good positive feeling, if you think about the words that get used in holiday sales and stuff like that. It's like getting us to that place in the sun. But words are really powerful. As part of my coaching and working with teams, you know, words become an essential part of the ecosystem that we're observing. You know, we're living in our living systems. We work in living systems. We're constantly evolving. We've all got work stuff. We've all got life stuff. We've got bigger picture stuff as well. And actually knowing and being aware of all those things and observing that we are a living system and how powerful language is as part of that living system can really be one of the places that you start and noticing how we interpret, how we respond, what's the language you're using if you're a leader or if you're thinking about your own well-being. What are the language and the phrases that you're using and how are they framed in terms of things? An observation is also sometimes not about doing anything. It is literally about seeing, about taking in. We don't necessarily have to respond when we're observing. So if you think if you had to draw a process map out of, okay, how am I going to look after myself better? Or how am I going to figure out how to connect with nature? It all seems very unfamiliar. Or how am I going to lead this team in a really challenging time? We tend to go all guns blazing into doing, responding, reacting, all of those kind of things. And we miss out this vital stage, which happens on both an inward level and an external level as well. And that is observation. So if I take you back just a little bit into some basic NLP stuff, really, around our filters, our human brain is taking about 2 million bytes per second of information, full on overload. If we actually had to process all of that very cognitively, we'd probably implode or explode. And I'm sure you've all had those days where you felt like your brain's probably got about 2 million bytes of stuff per second in if you're hurtling kind of through life. So we're taking 2 million bytes per second in or something around that. But we have these three filters. And ultimately, you start with the senses. One of the reasons why in ecotherapy and a lot of nature and mindfulness stuff, you start with the senses because these act as the first sort of sieve back into yourself 
and my sieve I mean kind of this catching all of this information out of the world around you and helping you to kind of connect with it, leave the bits behind that are going to be important to you. And those are informed by where you grow up, how you see yourself, what your beliefs are, the environment that you're in, where you work, what your social status is, all of these things. They're like sieves or they're filters as well, as a bit of a backstory. So alongside our senses, so an example I'll give you, and I always give is, if you ever smell a perfume on someone, that is like the perfume of a close family friend, family member or friend, then you have instantly are anchored to think about that person. It's kind of filtered and associated those two smells with each other. And that's kind of like a sensory anchor. So something that sticks in your mind because of the other thoughts and feelings you get about that particular person in the first place. Or, you know, if you hear a song that you've heard on holiday when you're at your most relaxed, suddenly you're like oh I love this song it reminds me of this time and these are sort of sensory filters you know you've heard it it's created a feeling for you but we have these filters of delete distort and generalize as well in terms of the way we look at things in the world and so they can work both positively and negatively if you're having a really good day then you're deleting all the bad stuff a lot of the time and you're just focusing on the good stuff, you know, if you feel good inside and out, it's much harder for maybe someone else's negativity to permeate you in those sort of early stages. You know, likewise, if you're feeling very negative or you're feeling very tired, then our brain is like, oh, right, we'll just delete all the good stuff. Don't need to focus on that now. What our focus is, is on the fact that we're tired. We need to look at all the things that make us tired and remind ourselves that we're tired. And we need to look at all the things that have gone bad in the day. It's good to listen out to people's filters, you know, particularly when working in a team. I know many of you will be working remote now, so you won't get that classic office check-in. But what are people saying about their journey to work? Is it the start of a good day for them? Have they filtered good stuff into their observation of the world and themselves? Or is there quite a lot going on for them? Having a hard day and they might need a little bit more help to adjust those filters to observe some different perspectives on things as well. So the classic one I always talk about is if you and I go out into a woodland and then we're asked to close our eyes and we're asked to recount how many trees there are or what the sounds of the birds were, if we know the breeds of the birds, what we saw to the left of us, what we saw to the right, we may recall very different things because for whatever reason to do with our life stories, maybe we noticed the den in the woods and that just totally distracted us because it took us back to a lovely memory when we were young. Oh, there's a woodpecker there, can you hear? Maybe there was a particular tree that was lumpy and bumpy and falling down and it kind of metaphorically felt like, hey, that tree looks a bit like I feel. And so again, your filters went onto that. Maybe you were distracted by snowdrops coming up and therefore in that second or so of observation, a lot of other stuff got deleted because the focus was on something that looked and made you feel sort of inspired. And similarly, we will distort things as well. So we might distort that the interactions with others. I gave the example earlier of like the connotations of a particular word it might be maybe triggering for us or it might be motivating for us. And of course, someone might not know this. This is in our internal map chapters of our story that have gone so far and how that informs how we see the world, how we 
interpret the world. But we might think that nature's wild and unknown and unfamiliar and scary and or oh, I couldn't possibly go out. Something bad might happen. You know, I might trip and fall or what happens if I get lost and all these kind of things. You know, having an element of practical sort of risk planning about it, but where it comes to a point that it takes you away from seeing the opportunities and being part of nature. Or you might be distorting, you know, that you can only relax after a day of work with a glass of wine or you can only get a good night's sleep if you've watched an hour's telly, you know, that these distortions, these rules that we keep up and none are really wrong or right, you know, they just are these rules that created our brain in a way, as we'll know when you hear the next filter, our brain really likes to just simplify and chunk things up and kind of collect them together. So if your mind and your body has at some point felt relaxed and had a good night's sleep and switched off from the busyness and the hurtling of the day because you've watched an hour's telly, your brain's like, oh, we'll do that again. And then you might find that you're thinking, well, I could go out for a walk and that would be really good. Or I could tidy my bedroom or sort that cupboard or that drawer out in the kitchen. But instead, oh, no, no, we do need to do that. We know what we do when we want to relax. We're just watching hours telly. And then you get to bed and you start thinking about the things that you could have done, other things that you could have done. Because your brain's curious as well. And we also distort things like the way someone might have looked at us, we might misinterpret that as someone looking at us in a weird way or the classic one I always get because I'm so smiley. If I'm on like just a relaxed thinking face, I'll get someone coming up to me and going, you were right. Yeah, I'm just thinking. And uh, <laughs> look very serious. And of course, generally to them, as we'll talk about generalizations now, another filter that we have is we chunk things up. Just to pre-warn you guys that I'm on a very treacherously muddy piece of land at the moment in a cognitive way, moving two feet in front of each other while recording a podcast and holding my dog. It's quite a demand and not falling in the mud. So if you hear a splat in this episode, you know what's happened. So we generalise stuff as well. For example, those experiences that you might have with nature, you know, if you did get lost, if you did get stung by a bee when you were young, if you did have a favourite walk with an ex-partner or something like that, that it becomes particularly sad to walk down there now because you, maybe you've separated or something, then actually these generalisations of I'm always going to feel that way or something bad always happens to me and you'll hear it in your language like it always happens that way, doesn't it? This is inevitable. It's guaranteed that's going to happen. We're very lazy in our language, really. Because we use these generalisations just for efficiency more than anything. So if we've had a conflict with a staff member or a team colleague or a family member, we might find it much more difficult to get on with that person. We generalise that things are going to always be negative. We forget to be in the now, we kind of loop between the past and worry about the future. The what was to the what if kind of thinking is, how did that go? Let me appraise it. Let me try and change it in my mind, even though actually I can't change it in my mind because it's already happened. Okay, so well, let me worry about what's going to happen next time then, even though 
I can't really actually predict the future. And so I bring kind of dances between things like shame, embarrassment, regret, remorse, and anxiety and worry and frustration that these things are out of our control, that we can't predict the future and we can't change the past. And so we generalise. Then, because we've got this unpleasant feeling about an interaction we might have with someone or an experience we might have, we generalise that things might go bad, something might go wrong, it's not safe, all those kind of things. And then we create these beliefs that become our reality, really, they become our rule book. They can work in our favour. My generalisation of optimism, that it'll always be alright, I'll find a way around something, has stood me in a lot of good stead in my business and my personal life. But there are some times when it could have been a lot easier if I'd maybe spent a little bit more time observing and reflecting and resourcing myself for those things. And that's okay. I'm going up a hill now, you can probably hear the heftiness of the breath. So what else is observation? Observation is a real process, actually. And in the workplace, when I'm working on workplace wellbeing, particularly with leaders or teams, we sort of put it into four quadrants, but there really is a fifth quadrant within the four quadrants. So normally I would invite people to say, let's observe what's happening for yourself. Now this might be that you've got a conundrum, like I'm stressed all the time or there's never enough time or I'm feeling itchy in terms of where I want more from life. You know, this might be the conundrum. So you think about self and I'll come back to self in a minute because as I say, there's sort of five elements of this really. And then we sort of think about once you've thought about yourself and is there a conundrum? Do I need to kind of write that down? Is there something that I want? What's the difference between where I am and where I want to be? Then you think about your team. Now your team might be team at work, then team might be your family, your friends, your social group, and observe that. And again, you're not responding, you're not creating any actions at this stage. And for many of us, we're like, no, I need more to the process. I can't just be thinking about what I'm seeing. I can't just be listening with my senses and hearing what people are saying and attuning in more to what people are doing. That can't just be it. I need some more. And just be patient with yourself about that. It's all right, it's just because our brains are wired to go, more, 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 do, do, do. So take some nice deep breaths and just observe. Maybe sit back in a team meeting a bit more than you would normal and listen to other people. Maybe you think about what people are telling you about their journeys to work. Maybe think about the team and how maybe others are speaking about a particular staff member or maybe even a customer. Think about how this is filtering into yourself and connecting with yourself. And then think about the organisation or if this is more of a personal reflection, what would your organisation, what would the system be that you're in? Is it the family unit? Is the organisation your home? Is the organisation a business that you run? Is it a business that you're part of? And observe things like what does a business say it's doing? What is it doing? And what do I like about this business? You know, have I been focused on all the negatives? And actually there's some really good things in here. And then focusing down onto wider ripples and thinking about the wider ripples in your community, your life, you know, 
again if you're doing it personally well what is your home part of where's the community that you sit within is that a small community is it a large community have you taken yourself really out of your community maybe you've had a move recently and you're sort of reforming your community what do you know what don't you know about your community you suddenly find that you start noticing like oh when was that community center there or when did that tree go there we get various different awarenesses within things as well and you'll observe if you're listening to this podcast that i'm moving i'm moving through spaces moving through those ripples that are very much in a place inward now we're moving into the back into the urban really as i walk back out of the woodland but i'm still noticing things like ivy growing through the fences and i've copied the trees here someone's having an extension you know begin to not just be totally just in my head of busyness thinking about what I'm going to say to you on this podcast but actually just to tune you back out and looking outward so you can work through those four frames of self of the team in whatever way you define that of organization of you know the systems and then the bigger picture the wider ripples and that might expand within a mile of yourself or that might be even greater than that that might be observing well you know next time i go to the shops i could buy this instead of this and that might be kind of to the planet and probably healthier for myself as well or you know it might be like actually i've been really closed off from particular parts of myself that are really now coming back to life in society and i'd really like to engage with those things as well so begin to observe that and the next part probably will at some point do a whole episode on this because again with all these things are so expansive and you can take them in so many different directions but thinking about inner and outer so you know when you're thinking at these different levels particularly for self observing yourself inwards as well as outwards using those perspectives of in and out of the bigger picture and then the detail you know what's the wider part of this situation that you're observing if you're observing dynamics within a team what's the bigger part of this you know how is the organization supporting these dynamics whether they're positive or disruptive and begin to think of observation as just part of your every day so by going inwards by checking the basics checking the vitals basically like how am i breathing am i thirsty am i hungry am i hot or cold Am I comfortable? Have I got the sort of clothes and equipment around me that are facilitating that? What are my thoughts? What am I telling myself about myself? What's this observation actually mean to me? What am I learning from it? And, you know, then you're moving into that place of action when you begin to think about what am I learning from this, you know? And you're much clearer on what the action is that you've got to do rather than just hurtling into something. And then observing outwards, like, what's around me? Is this environment good for me? Is there something that's... If I'm truly honest with myself, it's making me uncomfortable. What is it that you need? So just take a moment now, if you like, while you're listening to this podcast, just to do that exercise. And maybe you start with your senses, if that feels like the easiest way to kind of think about what they're touching. It might be that you find that you're circling thumb and finger. It might be that you're noticing the clothes that you're wearing as they touch your skin. Maybe you're hearing the sounds of the birds as you walk past that tree. It's a tree in a garden in an urban setting and yet it's alive with nature this morning. And then suddenly, here on the podcast, you suddenly into a different framework as well. So you hear the train whistle by and the dog bark. 
but what's going on for you? What are you hearing? What are you smelling? You know, what are you noticing as you begin to tune your senses? Is there a taste in your mouth? Particular taste that you can sense now? What can you see? And then close your eyes and go in and think about what am I thinking? What am I telling myself about today? About how today is going to go? About my bigger picture? About what I'm thinking about myself and my place within my wider world, my team, my organisation, my systems, the wider ripples. And just allow that all to come together. And if you want to take some time to do that, to pause the podcast and just be with that, take as long as you need. If you'd like to write some of those thoughts down, take as long as you need. And so we're just coming back to the road and a, a great time just to wrap up the podcast for today. So we're just beginning to think about the resource of observation. Maybe you're inspired by our Instagram posts and three things in nature and take today to go out and observe three things that you see in nature and bring yourself to the present. Maybe you begin to do that observation task at those four different levels a little bit more frequently. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to an episode of The Wilderness Mind, brought to you by JK of Where the Mind Grows, coaching in nature with a green conscience. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Where the Mind Grows, or visit our website at wherethemindgrows.co.uk. Follow this episode and our podcast, The Wilderness Mind, to keep track of our future and existing episodes as well. Thank you for listening.